something. At that time, I was thinking of doing something strong because everybody I knew wanted a full body. So I tell the guy, no, I just ain't there. I want something else. I don't like it. And apparently, uh, I disrespect the, 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 the master roller. So he rolls me something else. Like, he tried this, basically. I'm in the corner. I'm trying it again in my little corner by myself. And I'm sweating profusely, bro. I'm just sweating, sweating, sweating. I look up. They're over there laughing at me, right? He put, like, I think, like, eight or nine Lanheros in it. It was it was brutal. <laughs> and then my guy, Ben, because he's translating for me, uh, he tells me, you know, he wanted to teach you a lesson. I said, well, lesson taught. Let's start over, all right? Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Deep Cut Slots. I'm your host, Antoine Reed. And today we have with us Kevin Brown from Conscious Cigars. He's uh, a first-timer, so it's always exciting for me. So uh, I hope you're excited as well, Kevin, but welcome to Deep Cuts Live. Absolutely excited. Thank you for having me, bro. Yeah, it's like I know when we're, we're filming this, to me, I don't know what the temperature is there, but it's like the hottest day of the year here. <laughs> or it's yeah, getting it's pretty there. hot here. Yeah, but we're getting close to like the hottest day of the year here in North Carolina. So, um, Oh, you're in Carolina. Okay, what part? So I'm in Durham. I got family up that way, bro, and Whiteville. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So we're we're approaching that. Uh, I think the weekend here is going to be like the hottest it's been all year. So, um, yeah. So thank you for joining me on this. I know when we did a podcast earlier this week, our guest was doing it outside and he was melting. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> So, so hopefully you're a little bit more comfortable. Uh, indoors. But yeah, but thank you for joining me. Like I said, I followed your brand on Instagram for some time, but I still feel like there's a lot for me to learn. And I'm sure that a lot of other people are also going to learn a whole lot uh, from watching this episode about your brand. Um, awesome. I, 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 I always like to give people a little bit of context of where we met. So we really met for the first time like a couple weeks ago at the PCA or Premium Cigar Association trade show. So you were part of the boutique pavilion. Um, so how did that work out for you? Wonderful, man. Um, a lot of buzz, a lot of contacts. Uh, everything worked out well. It was it's a great thing that they put together. Very appreciative of it. Yeah, like, like to me, it's, it's great to... Uh, learn about new brands because everyone always wants to know like what's new, what's new, what's new. And yet there's so many different brands out there that they have yet to, uh, you know, experience or smoke through in, in the case of a cigar company. So um, there's so many brands out there that they just don't tap into for, for whatever reason. So um, I like the pavilion just because it gave a chance to really get to know a lot of companies Um and see what they're doing. And I'll tell people like that with that pavilion, no company was the same. So you all kind of approach the craft in a whole different way. Correct. So since it's your first time, I get to ask all the fun questions of kind of getting to know you questions. So um, with those people who are on here for the first time, I always like to start really at the beginning. So growing up, I can't imagine you thought that you were going to get into the cigar industry. <laughs> Correct. I did not. <laughs> so, so growing up, what did you think you were going to do? What did you want to 
be what was all that what was your childhood like uh early childhood um i I thought i wanted to be a baseball player but but taking away your bag because i because i just found out you're from carolina and and tobacco let me take a correlation real quick on that so um, my my mother's side's from carolina when i was a kid i stayed up there right uh my earliest memory of my grandfather, which uh, he passed when I was young, I don't remember much, but he smoked a pipe. So my earliest senses of tobacco was the pipe. And then you fast forward and move back to Tampa, and this is the cigar capital of the world, so more tobacco. So I feel like I was, even though I didn't know it then, I feel like I was supposed to do something with tobacco. Now it makes sense to me. But growing up, I, I thought I'd be a baseball player as a kid. I really thought I'd be a baseball player. I was okay at it. I wasn't that good, but I still thought that's what I would become at some point. It's funny because you're the second guest in a while who's coming on Deep Cuts who wanted to be in baseball. So we had Miguel on from Crown Heads, and he thought, you know, the same thing, like he was going to get into baseball. So you're starting to see a lot of correlations with (laughs) baseball people who, who, who don't make it and, or don't get a career in baseball, it seems like the the, the next great thing is uh, cigars. It's tobacco. <laughs> so, you, so, obviously you didn't, you know, just start in, in cigars. So, professionally, like, what have you done leading up to cigar, your your company? Um, so, uh, graduated in, in 96, uh, Brandon High School in Tampa, Florida. Uh, I end up starting my job, which I'm still at right now in 97, which is UPS. Um, I've been there since 97. Uh, in, two, in, in early 2000, 2000, I think between 2000, 2002, I went to a, a, a technical school, a trade school to learn how to do like, uh, you know, back, back in those days, web design was a new thing. <laughs> web design, graphic designs. So I went and studied that for a few years and got my certificate of degree in that. Still while well, I'm at UPS, um, started a little business, but it, I didn't really know much. I, you know, I was trying to set up programming and do sites for people. It was okay for a little bit. Fast forward to, to 2010, uh, I got into the hair care product. I used to sell women's weave hair. I did that from 2010 to 2015. Uh, I stopped doing that because I quote unquote got, I became conscious, right? So I stopped selling <laughs> women hair. I had I had a little hang up with that. So, and then in 2016, uh, my partners and I, some guys I should smoke with, we got together and we opened up the first black cigar lounge in Tampa, Florida. And that was from 2016 to January of 20. 22 last year and and i started at launch conscious in in 20, 20 december of 2019 so that's that's me in a nutshell so where would you say you've gotten your spirit from i've always man you know uh, nothing i would condone but i've i've done a lot growing up uh I always wanted multiple income, so I, I worked a job, but I also did other things. So I would say my entrepreneur spirit came from, you know, growing, being poor, like, you know, wanting more money. So that's where my entrepreneur spirit came from. So you're in UPS, and we're with UPS, 
right now as we're filming it, UPS just went through the, you know, there was going to be a possible strike. <laughs> and everyone in the car industry was like waiting and hoping like this would not happen because it was really going to slow down the industry. So, so how do you feel as, because uh, you're on, because I saw you post on Facebook about this, but you're kind of on both both sides of this. Like, yes, yes. you're going to get hit kind of like either way. So, so how do you feel about like how the situation kind of played out? I actually, I, I was on a PCA uh, website or something. I was on social media and I actually chimed in and said, hey, this hits me both ways. Because if we go on strike, I'm not making money from my nine to five job, which is UPS. And if we can't ship product, I can't get tobacco out. So I get hit both ways. I, I feel it harder than anybody. But it was averted. Uh, of course, we still got to do some, you know, as members, as union members, still got to do some voting. To vote yeah and nay on it on, on the on what they averted. So it, for me, um, you know, being there for that many years, I, I kind of wanted to strike. Uh, the company is is pushing pretty hard on that, so it, it's good to sometimes be, have that union as a backing to push back at the company. So you know, things are are even out a little bit. So I'm always for advancing us and the future. People come behind me, so that's important. So I was with it, but. It's so far has been averted and we still got to vote on it. But overall, you know, just like anything is is rules and regulations. So once once it's set in the contract, we will abide by whatever that is. And we just move forward. Now, for, for those of you in UPS who drive the truck, like, you don't have air conditioning in the truck, do you? Nope, never have. <laughs> so, <you're> like, <laughs> and and I'm in right. Florida on top of that. Oh my gosh! Like I can't imagine because, like I said, like it's hot here, it's, and even being in a apartment, it's like hot. <laughs> so I can't imagine being out in the truck and all you have is like you know the the, the breeze that you you get from the from the you know, but just riding around and that this seems crazy. So we got a saying, man. Uh, you know, because if, if you ever see the UPS, what we call a package car, the truck, the brown truck, you see the package car. Mm-hmm. The doors are always mm-hmm. open. <laughs> so, so if you want AC, man, wet yourself and do sixty down the highway, and you'll cool off. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> so, so how did starting these different businesses kind of set you up for the cigar industry? Because, like you said, you you learn graphic design. Because I started out in graphic design too. So I know how, how that is. <laughs> so it's not exactly like it's, it's fun to be creative, but at the same time, I found for me, you know, like you were never creating or I felt like I should say for me, I felt like I was never creating stuff for myself. So I was creating stuff, you know, like made other to people. order for what other mm-hmm. people. And that was not, fun. <laughs> you know, after yeah. a while, it was just like, cause you'd be like, well, you know, you can do this. It'll, it'll be a little bit better. And they're like, no, no, no. I like, I like this. And you're like, that looks terrible. And you have right. to kind of put them into it. And you're just like, no, like that's this is not so so how did all that kind of stuff kind of set you up? That and the hair business and and everything else that you did, like how did that kind of set you up for the cigar industry? Um, for me, man, I don't know. It's is especially the web design part, that really didn't set me up for the tobacco, but the, the hair products did. So I had this thing where I was selling women hair, um, and like I said, I became conscious, which, which is the name of my company. And my, the conscious part was this. So I, 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 and I hope I don't get nobody gets upset, but hey, it's what it is. I had this thing where 
uh, I didn't like selling. I didn't want to. I didn't want to hear a woman say I don't look good without, you know, X, Y, and Z. Whether it's her hair, her lashes, whatever, right? And I, I'm okay. I was okay with selling it, and but I, I found some women just didn't want. I felt like I was selling crack to my own people. Here I am liking natural hair, and selling, you know, uh, processed or. or Indian hair at the time to, to people, which is cool. And I, I learned a lot. Like I learned women also, I learned that women, you know, it's, it has something called protective styling, right? Like just cause you see a woman with a weave or a wig or whatever on, it doesn't mean she doesn't have her natural hair. I learned that during that process. I just didn't like the fact that some people, some of the ladies I dealt with didn't feel like they was, they weren't beautiful without the extra stuff. So that's where the consciousness kicked in, hence the name conscious. So that's why I stopped selling it and started, you know, in the cigarette world. And, and it all it all merged together because during this time I was smoking at, at, at a cigarette lounge, my local lounge here, learning, you know, meeting people, learning about tobacco and and all that kind of just morphed together. So it didn't pretty much set me up for it. But this is kind of around the same time frame that I actually made the transition to move on. So that's the connection for me. And you were talking about how you the lounge in Tampa. Mm-hmm. So did that come before conscious cigars or did they come during it or after? Like where was that in the position of everything? That was in 2016 and that was before conscious. Uh, when me and the guys got together and, and the young ladies, when we, because there was a few of us. And uh, when we got together um, and we discussed it, my, my initial thought was, and I, and I voiced my opinion at the time I told them, I was like, Hey, if, if we decide to do this, and if I do this, I'm going to eventually want my own cigar. Because to me, it, it just makes sense. If you have a cigar lounge, have a cigar, like I can generate traffic, you know, both ways, right? So 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 so, so it was called Maduro Marauders. That was first. And then Conscious came about about three years later. Mm-hmm. So, so obviously a lot of people who are in the cigar industry, when they come through the retail, they learn a lot, <laughs> you know, and it kind of helps them figure out a lot before they start their own brand. So for you, you know, did working in retail kind of shape how you, you know, did it reshape how you saw cigars? Cause I know that being a consumer of cigars and then turning into like a, a business owner who that's like your product, that's how you make your money. That's how you make your living. Like it has, a, I'm sure that changed how you kind of saw cigars. Oh, absolutely. And I still tell people to this day when I have, you know, when I'm out, you know, doing work across wherever, wherever state I'm in and I'm talking to different lounge owners or band owners, I always start off with, hey, I've seen it on both sides. So, yeah, once you once you get that side, man, it, you can't unsee it. So, yes, it helps you out tremendously. No doubt about it. So for, for you, I mean, coming into this thing as a consumer, like you just smoke cigars mm-hmm. and then coming through the retail end of it where you're selling cigars, like what did you discover when you're dealing with customers? Like, did it change? Like, like what were they looking for from cigars? Like, what, what were they not getting? Like, I'm sure, like, because I know most businesses, you know, establish themselves by finding a gap in the the industry and filling that gap. So what problems did you see arise from from a retail standpoint? You said, okay, when I start my own cigar brand, this is, I'm going to do this differently to kind of fill that gap. 
for me, it, it was strictly education. Uh, you know, you get a lot of people that come to your lounge and and I, and I tell lounge owners all the time, like your, your customers, they look they look for you for that guidance. Right. So a lot of people come in and they don't know what they want to smoke. They have no idea. So it's your job as that lounge owner. So, you know, get to understand your, your, your clientele, your customer, um, you know, what they're drinking, what they're eating, what they're smoke, what, what they what you can what you can uh, pair it with smoking wise. And it's all about education. So so that. Uh, it directly directly so when I got my cigar like before I put anything to the market I created what I created and I would bring it back to my lounge and other people in Tampa and explain to them what I just made tell me what you think about it what you what it tastes like to you so for me it was about education like I want to know what you're looking for in it what you think is missing or what you or what you love about it what you don't love about it so it's always education for me learning about it what question do you get asked you? Um, the spice, uh, probably the the the, the te- like the spice of it. Like some people was like, "Hey, because I had habanos," uh, and and I once I explained, uh, "Habanos are spicy X Y and Z," uh, but then I would say, "Then it would smoke mine." I'd be like, "Well, it wasn't that spicy." I say it's true. It really it's not a heavy spice. So because it's different spectrums of the spice, right? You could do. I have more of a, a light or a medium spice. So that question, I would get a lot in the beginning. Like, I thought it'd be more spicier because I told him Habano kind of translate to spice. And, and I had to kind of, you know, uh, reel that in and correct that a little bit so they understood what I meant. It still has spice to it, but it doesn't have to be, you know, knock your socks off spicy or peppery or whatever the words you want to use. And for you to say, oh, this is an enjoyable cigar. And sometimes people... They're smoking that very, very peppery or spicy cigar, and they think they're enjoying it because that's all they know. Until you just tell them the difference between, you know, flavorful cigars versus, you know, powerful full-body cigars. So, like I say, back to education, you just show them, and you, you talk, you, you, you tell them, you show them how it is, what's the comparison, and you let them judge again. So, if you like that kick in your throat, perfectly fine with me as well. You know, it's, it's what you like. I feel like spice is one of the easiest things to kind of pick up on when you're smoking a cigar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, other flavor notes are a little bit more difficult sometimes. And I feel mm-hmm. like some people feel the pressure from reading reviews and ratings mm-hmm. on uh, other websites that, oh, I need to pick out all these. I, I need to pick out these notes. Like if I don't yes, yes. anything other than, than, you know, tobacco something's wrong with me. Like, did you yes. encounter that too? Cause like, like I said, spice is really easy cause you do kind of feel it. You, mm-hmm. you sense it, it it's lingers on your tongue. It lingers, it lingers on your cheeks. It comes out through your nose with the smoke and you kind of, that's easy. Um, but other notes like flavor notes, and then you see these reviews and they're like, you know, notes of espresso notes of, you know, um, dark chocolate. And you're like, I don't really see that, you know? And it's like, everybody's palate is so different. So did you, as a retailer, did you have to deal with that too, where people were coming in saying, you know, I want a chocolate cigar <laughs> or I want a cigar that, that uh, I want a cigar that, you know, that's, that's, that's sweet. And then you're like, mm-hmm. okay, like, and do you have to, did you have to give them education on what that really means? Absolutely. Yeah. When you say chocolate cigar or sweet cigar, do you actually mean flavored? Like, like, as in, as in, like, a, you know, a flavored cigar, or do you mean like a sweet note in a regular cigar, like a regular tobacco? So yes, you would have to do that. And I'm not, and I'm one of these guys, man. I don't get into all the, oh, this is hazelnut and 
and like you said, uh, you know, whatever I, I do, I, I mainly taste from region, right? Like I know if it tastes, if I taste this type of spice, that might be from like Jalapa, you know, uh, in, in Esteli, I mean, in Nicaragua or, or X, Y, and Z. Um, I don't get into all those notes. And I also tell people it's so hard because everybody tastes something different. It, you know, I don't know what you ate, smoke or whatever, but it's just a normal palate could just be totally different from mine. So when people smoke my cigars and I see them and go, hey, I taste X, Y, and Z, I go, well, I'm glad you did because whatever you taste is what you taste. I, I just had this conversation yesterday with somebody and it was like, no, if they say they taste ice cream, they're wrong. You're going to miseducate them. I say, no, if they taste ice cream, then <laughs> how can you tell a person what they're tasting in their of their palate? I just can't do that. So whatever you taste is what you taste. Now, I do draw, I do put certain things out there that you would taste in a cigar, right? That's, that should be there. Now, what you taste is what you taste. And I don't argue with people. I never have. I just let people be. I Like I say, I try to do, I do regions. So, if you if if you want something earthy, like you want something that's pungent, you know, I'm, I'm gonna give you a Honduras tobacco, a cigar from Honduras, or, or certain parts of DR. You know, if you want something like you know smooth. I'm gonna say, now let's go straight. That's the lead right here. You know, it's just it's just that's how I do it. I know everybody have their own bag, but that's how I kind of roll. So at what point did you decide you wanted to launch conscious cigars? Uh, actually, when, when like I said, when me and my when me and the team first created, our, started talking about the lounge, we having our meetings, doing you know discussing uh, the lounge we want to get. At that moment, bro, I just I knew I wanted to do it. It just had I had the weight. We had to get our our ship together first. And I said ship, not the other word. Get our ship together first before we can move forward. Uh, forward, right? So I waited on that, and then uh, you know. Um, I reached out. If you don't know, I'm with I'm with Don Kiki, Karen Berger. That's who I'm housed with. That's who I do my cigars with. So I, I I used to go to her lounge up in Daytona from time to time, and I and I knew some people that were I know a guy named Ben. I kind of met her once or twice. So once we got the lounge up and and we was leveled, I said, you know, just time to start looking out, right? Start looking for stuff. And I reached out to them, and I reached out to I think Ben first, and introduced me to Karen. We talked about it, and that's how I started. But I knew I wanted to do it, you know, when, when I knew I wanted to be a part of the Cigar Lounge. I knew it from day one. I just had to learn what it. I had to get over there and learn about the tobacco, you know. What kind of advice and experience do you Uh Man, Karen, she still gives me it. I, if I have a question, I still will call Karen to this day. Don't, don't nobody mistake that. So Karen gives me great advice. Back then... Um, but my first cigar, I mainly was mainly a guy named Ben. Me and him did all the talking, uh, more than me and Karen. Uh, and his number one, what I remember the most was uh, he used to say uh, he had he had his little saying, which I adopted: "Is your cigar has to have his own legs, meaning you have to produce something that speaks for itself. It can walk on its own. You know, you I don't have to sell you this cigar. I'm not a salesman, right?" I can just tell you what I have. I can offer that to you, but the tobacco itself has to walk on its own. You have to, people have to enjoy it on their own. So that was one bit of advice that I really, really appreciated by then. What was the first blend that you kind of worked on? And how, did, how quickly did that blend come together? The first blend I did was, was a, was a full body cigar. Um, that didn't work out. First of all, I tell this story sometimes. So I get over there. I wanted. So my mind 
like when I when I first wanted to go, I wanted to do a full body cigar. That I was thinking to myself, do a full body cigar. I get over there, I meet the master blender for the first time. I kind of tell him what I want to do, and we kind of messed around a little bit. And he was showing me this, was showing me that. And he made a cigar. He pretty much made a very very first one. So I tried it, and I was like, you know, by myself in the back of the corner smoking it. I'm like, uh, this ain't this ain't strong enough. This ain't it. Right. That's what I told him. I wanted something at that time. I was thinking of doing something strong because everybody I knew wanted a full body. So I tell the guy, no, nah, this ain't it. I want something else. I don't like it. And apparently uh, I disrespected the the, 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 the master roller. So he rolls me something else. I'm like he tried this. Basically, I'm in the corner. And I'm trying it again in my little corner by myself and I'm sweating profusely, bro. I'm just sweating, sweating, sweating. I look up. They're over there laughing at me, right? He put like I think like eight or nine Lanheros in it. It was it was brutal. <laughs> and then my guy Ben, because because he's translating for me, uh, he tells me, you know, he wanted to teach you a lesson. I said, well, lesson taught. Let's start over, all right? So, <laughs> so I end up what I end up doing is I have I have one night because I stayed in the you know I stayed out there by myself, you know, in the factory by myself at the time. A little side room in the factory. No Wi-Fi, no nothing. One night I was out there by myself sleep, me and the guard. And and I had this like epiphany, right? It said, why not do something medium body, right? Medium to full. Because, you know, I, when I was thinking about it, because I had nothing but time to think all night in a foreign country, right? I thought to myself, well, you know, um, a light, a light, a kinetic smoker, a light smoker will come up and smoke a medium. And, and a full body will come down and smoke like a medium to full too. So I went in the middle. I at that just over there. I made that decision on the spot. The next day, that's when I did the Habano, which was the uh, which is my Habano, which is a medium to full cigar. It just it just clicked on me one night, man. And that's how I did it. That's why I started. Which was uh, um, my Robusto and my Lancero, the first two I did of, of that blend, and it, it worked out because I I was like, man, you know, I think more people would smoke. You know, my first time out, I want everybody to try it. I don't want to do nothing too strong because I might alienate the people who who like smokers. So that's why I went in the middle to try to get more of the masses. So when you're putting together concerts, what would you say was the biggest challenge that you faced? Uh, In the beginning, honestly, it was trying to find somebody who could actually do the logo I had in my head that you see now. Uh, I reached out to, you know, several different people, People try. It just wasn't what I was looking for. They just couldn't pull it off. And I finally found someone down south and uh, and the guy was able to make it happen. He actually pulled it off. And I was like, this is exactly what I wanted. And and that's how that's my that was my hardest thing in the beginning was trying to find this logo. Um, and that was, that was part of my hardest piece, man, to be honest. I haven't had a rough time with this, man. Um, you know, I. You know, once you once you prepare, I believe in preparing, right? You know, so I had capital, I had um, had ideas, I, I had you know, exact location where I can go. I had everything kind of set up through preparation. So once I started the process, it kind of just routed off for me, to be honest. Yeah, and I'm sure that kind of gave you a little bit of context or mm-hmm. kind of help. Rather than mm-hmm. you coming in completely, you know, saying, oh, I'm part of a cigar brand and, and trying to, to get in there and, and do it without that background in retail. That is correct. Like I say, learning when you're on a when you're on a when you're a lounge owner, 
you get to you get to smoke so many cigars and taste so much stuff. And you also get to meet so many, you know, you meet you meet band owners, you meet reps and, you, you know, and just hearing and hearing and hearing different stories or how something's produced or, or a mistake they might have made. And you think to yourself, I don't want to make that mistake or, or you like something that they did. Like I was a fan of um, the L40. Uh, when I did my Lancero, I wanted, I wanted, when somebody smoked my cigar, I wanted them to feel the same joy that I felt when I smoked the L40 Lancero. So, you know, you just learn as you, as you, as you move around, you know, it's, just put it together as you go. Now to, to backtrack a little bit, I'm going to try to connect different points here. When you started the cigar lounge or just the retail store, what was your motivation for starting that? So me and my guys got together, man. Um, we was just, it, there was no, there was no representation here in Tampa, Florida for black smokers. Right. So we go to all these lounges. We spend all our money over here. Right. And, and sometimes we complain about what some lounge owner has done or haven't done. Right. So me and my guys, like one day we was just like, you know, basically why are we complaining? You know, if you don't like it, Create your own. You don't. You don't. You don't have to complain. That's if that person wants to run their business that way. That's their right to. Uh, you don't have to spend your money there. Or you can create your own space. And that was the whole motivation behind it. It just we had no representation here. And 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 it's wonderful, man, because you know we started that back in 2016. Um, fast forward now. Now there's, uh, I think three black. I know it's two for sure. Maybe one is still around. Three black lounges here now. We got a bunch of mobile lounges here. And, you know, representation is very, very important to me. Um, and, and I'm happy right now in this space in Tampa. I'm very, very happy because there's a lot of people doing good things in the cigar culture here in Tampa. So now, with that, when you were starting Conscious, the cigar brand, did you also say you wanted to kind of do that same thing, with, but on a brand standpoint, like have a brand that was black owned or did that oh, not yeah. kind of like Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's 100% play. It's, it, I thought it's, so when I got into my, when I, when I started looking for cigars, I was thinking, I was like, that's not, there's not much representation for black owned, black owned cigar band owners either. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my initial thought. But as I, as I, when I started and started moving around, traveling a little bit and doing, doing events, I did see there were, there were other black band owners out here that was around before I was around. So I was I was kind of wrong on that, but for the most part, uh, I didn't. I when I when I start excuse me when I started, I didn't see the representation that I wanted to see, uh, like for myself, like consciousness, right? Like that's the community that I'm a part of, and I wanted to see more of that. Uh, now, then, and but then I didn't see it in the beginning, but as I as I met people, I started seeing it. I really did see it. My my girls down south, uh, I met these ladies first, Trace Lindos. Uh, Black Cubans, Afro Cubans down in Miami, and 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 when I met them and they told me their blends, right, the name of their blends, you know, it's it's for different shades of the black woman in the Afro Cuban culture. It was I was like that's consciousness to me, uh, and then I ran across um, Black Starline, Eric, uh, you know, Black Starline. That's that's Mar- Marcus Garvey's old ship name, you know? So there were people out here with consciousness. Now, I didn't catch all of it in the beginning, uh, but it didn't take long to me, for me to find it once I started, when I started getting out here and moving around. 
Well, it absolutely yeah, played a part. Yeah. I think for, for some reason, black owned brands, you know, it, it takes a little bit more work for them to get the attention sometimes in the platforms mm-hmm. that other brands do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure why. Um, I do think things are kind of changing maybe a little bit because I'm hearing retailers, especially at PCA uh, a couple weeks ago, there were some retailers that were saying their customers were actually asking for representation in the humidor. They were looking for right. giving them a mandate to go to PCA, the trade show, and come back with some Black-owned brands that they could you know, have in the humidor. And I thought that was great to hear. I think I think that's it's the only wonderful. way. I think that's the only way. Sometimes you 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 know you have to make those demands. I, I was listening to something on the news today, um, and and they were talking about politics, and they were saying that the same thing. Like if you want change, you have to like force it upon your leaders, tell them that this is what you want, and make it a demand to the point where they go out and they have that mandate to do that. So Correct. I think a lot more. Um, consumers are, you know, to steal your word, are maybe becoming a little bit more conscious to, you know, that there are Black-owned brands out there and they want those, they want them to get the fair chance to kind of be in a humidor alongside these big brands. That is correct, man. Um, you know, for me, consciousness, you know, is, is about uplifting somebody else, right? So I could do an interview with you and I can shout somebody's name out and uplift them. But us band owners or lounge owners or whomever, we need uplifting too, right? So that consumer can go, to, like you just said, go to their, their local lounge or whomever and be like, hey, we need y'all to bring in. At least try these folks. If you don't like the tobacco, at the end of the day, it's about tobacco. So if the if the cigar ain't right, then fine, move on. But at least give some of us a shot. But we need that uplifting as well from, from the average everyday smoker because they're the ones who, who run the economy on it. That's correct. And I think what a lot of retailers and even consumers sometimes don't understand is that, you know, your cigars are being made sometimes in the same factories as some of their favorite brands already. You know, the only difference is the the band on it and the name. And of course, the, the different combinations of tobaccos in it because you're, you know, actively taking part in the blending process. So, so I think they, they don't get that sometimes because, you know, like you mentioned Black Star Line. Well, he works with Agonorsa and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and some and Oveja Negra now. Um, mm-hmm. Those are two big brands like they, that, you know, their cigars are great. They get great ratings and stuff like that. And people don't, they aren't making that connection sometimes. That's correct. That's correct, bro. That's correct. I, and for me, man, when I first started, I didn't even tell people, maybe my first year or so, who I was even making myself. I didn't want nobody. I didn't. Karen was is is you know top of the line. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to mm-hmm. ride her coattails. I wanted to make my own way. So I wouldn't even tell people where I was getting my cigars made at. Now, but then, but at, but at a certain point, you have to because you know somebody wants to bring you in. They want to ask you these poignant questions, and then I, I think that's fair. So then I would tell people like lounge owners, but I wouldn't go around saying it because I wanted you to just try to cigar on your own, and you like my cigar because. It's, it's an enjoyable cigar, right? It wasn't until after, you know, I started getting a little traction that I was now wanting to tell people, hey, this is where I get my make my cigar at. Because like I said in the beginning, I wanted to have my own path. And 
And I, and I appreciate her letting me do that because she could have been like, oh, tell, but she does it. She was like, do your thing. And that's fine. And I'm happy with that. So at this point, walk us through all the different cigars that you have in your portfolio. You said walk you through it? Yeah, just like describe okay. the different cigars that okay. you have to offer. What, okay. you know, if they're meant for maybe, you know, the more beginner smoker or the more advanced or someone who likes, you know, different flavor profiles, the full body, the medium body. Let us know what, what you have to offer from Constance. All right, so... One of my, one of my, I got, a, I got a slogan, I got a tagline. So my, my, my tag, my, my uh, slogan is the everyday smoke. So basically, these cigars are blended. You can smoke anytime, anywhere with any. You can pretty much pair with anything. So I have my three habanos: a lancero, a robusto, and a toro. So those you can smoke basically every day. Uh, coffee in the morning. If you want to do a, a, a bourbon or a whiskey or a Japanese whiskey, anytime throughout the, you know, in the evening sometime, that's fine. Now, my Cameroon and my Maduro, I have a Cameroon, I also have a Maduro. Now, these are a little more complex. Uh, you still can smoke them. I mean, you still can smoke it and, and drink with anything, but it does, it is, it's not as light as the Habanos. So they have a little more pepper in it. So I always suggest, you know, Smell what you like, but for like my Maduro here, I'm drinking it with a bourbon now, but I can easily drink this with a, uh, a port wine. You know, I like to offset mine with a, with a little sweetness, you know. Now, it's not a harsh Maduro. It's still flavorful. You still, I, this, I, I like to tell people when you smoke this Maduro, it's, it's like you're smoking a Lancero. You, you're going to enjoy it from front. You can, it's going to, it's going to be light and full all the way through. There's no dips in it. It smokes just like the draw is like a Lancero, even though it's a, you know, sometimes you get, this is a bigger gauge cigar. It's a six, it's a six and a half by 64. So it's a bigger gauge. Sometimes the bigger the gauge gets, you kind of lose a little bit because of the gauge, but this is not, you're going to enjoy this all the way through as if you're smoking a very thin cigar. And, and those are most of my blends. So Habanos and Cameroon and Maduro. Now, for your distribution plan, like, do you have a certain amount of storage that you want to be in, or a certain amount of re or a certain retailer you're trying to target? Like, what's your plan? Because I found that so many different cigar companies, um, there are some that only want to be in like 200 stores or whatever. They want to be to control it for the quality purposes. And there's others that they're like. The sky is the limit. Like, you know, as many as we can get into, we're, we're going to be there. So what's your plan for, like, what's your strategy for conscious? For me, man, I, 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 I use the, I like to say I use the Bruce Lee effect, right? You know, shape like water, you turn water. So I like to use momentum. I use momentum against somebody. If you come in full force, I toss you. So I use my being a boutique as my advantage, right? So I don't personally, I don't care to be in every store. I can, I think I have more value if I'm in limited stores. And so let's say I'm in North Carolina, right? In, in Durham. Let's say you got five lounges there. I am okay if only two lounges sell me. You know, hopefully the different sides of towns, right? I feel like as a boutique, I can, my, my job is to help that lounge push cigars, right? So I think I have more value if, 
if it's only strategically, they can go to two places to buy this particular cigar. So it's generating traffic for them. And it's also, you know, it's also saying I have a push there, right? So I can generate X amount of people to you per month, which is enough to, for you to keep reordering boxes. Now, I'm not opposed to being everywhere. Don't get me wrong. But at, right now, my, my strategic thing is, I ain't going to say, I guess I can say less is more. Uh, I prefer to be strategically put in different in different areas in particular in a particular city. I don't now it depends on the city as well. So let's say like Houston and Atlanta, they're huge. So I don't mind being in multiple lounges there, which I am. That works because of the land mass. But a smaller town, if I say if it's three or four lounges there, one or two lounges is perfectly fine with me because I know I'm bringing value to that lounge. You can't just go anywhere and get it. Now let's say I blow up five years from now, right? And Everybody wants a conscious, and I have no problem selling every lounge a box. You know, I'm not opposed to it. But right now, I like to use that strategic value, the small, use my boutique, my smallness to my advantage, and it's it's working so far. So you so said something about the boutique being an advantage, and sometimes people feel like it kind of puts them in a disadvantage because depending on who you're speaking to, you know, some companies like to kind of portray a boutique company as being, you know, less capable of handling things that a bigger company can do, or sometimes the quality, they, they try to make it a quality issue, but boutique for you is an, an advantage. So like, first of all, how would you define boutique? Because I feel like there's no real depending on who you speak to, like <laughs> there's no real definition of boutique cigar just like there's there's like a, a moving definition of what makes a cigar premium as well like we don't have a, a set definition of premium cigar either but we also don't have a, a set definition of boutique cigar so what what does boutique mean to you so I, I would say the most political way to say it is any any a boutique is any brand that's not one of the big boys if if you come to PCA and if you're not in the front with those big booths, then you're a boutique, <laughs> you know? So that's how I look at it. Um, small companies, uh, small batch companies, that's how I look at boutique. Um, now, and, and those who, I mean, I, I, you're right. Some people do think, at, think, think of it as a, uh-oh, I lost you, bro. Can you see me? Yeah. All right, I lost you on my page. But anyway, some people do look at it as a disadvantage. I just believe in changing the mindset, man. Um, just just do what what works for you. Like take take anything you have in life and find a way to make it work. Be nimble, be strategic, find a way to make it work for you. That's with anything. That's how I look at life. That's how I approach everything. So it could be something really bad, but at the end of the day, you figure out a way to make it work for you. And if being small, if everybody's not gonna bring me in then I want to make sure I double my value for those who do bring me in. And I'm not worried about who's not, right? So that's where I see the value at with being boutique. I feel like the industry is shifting a lot more boutique in that even some of the larger companies are trying to capture the essence of boutique, if that makes sense. They are. (laughs) You know, so I, I feel like everybody kind of sees like, oh, boutique is like, you know, People really want boutique, but I feel like it's hard to to be boutique in that the most of the boutique brands that I know, they're personality driven. 
and there are people who have good stories to tell. And there's nothing wrong with like the uh, the opposite end of that. Like if you have a brand that basically has notoriety and people mm-hmm. you know know it, and you know you can make basically release a new cigar underneath that banner of that iconic brand and like you know i guess you don't really need a story behind it it's just continuing that um legacy i guess you could say but it seems like more like personality homey driven you know down to earth kind of clothes it's mm-hmm. not less you know it's not this big thing Mm-hmm. I, look, I, I respect those who've done it, who can just produce a cigar and people. I respect that. You know, um, I think it, I think it does boils down to personality because I've been around some boutique brands like myself who kind of operate as if they're a big brand. Right. And then you've, you've been around some big brands. That's pretty cool. Like the boutique, like, a you know, like a Matt Booth, you know, guys cool. You know what I mean? Like, so I think it just depends on the person. Um how you how you want to run your business per se. Uh, but for overall in a nutshell, yes, what you're saying is correct. I will agree with it in a nutshell. Just to switch gears a little bit, kind of reach towards the, the end of our time together. Um the black smoker. Mm-hmm. I've heard retailers feel like that that this is like a growing segment that came out of nowhere. <laughs> And I don't understand it, you know, because I feel like they, they've always been there, but they seem very surprised. They're like, and you hear, you read reports that come out from different groups and stuff, and they talk about, you know, this is a growing segment of smokers. And mm-hmm. I don't know if I feel like they that that's true. Like maybe it's that maybe the black smokers becoming more present than they were before. Like, you know, like they're, they're coming out in the open, like like you said, now that, that, that they're black brand owners, they're black retailers, you know, they come out. I know, like, when I first started going to the trade show, you didn't see a lot of black brand owners. You didn't see a lot of black retailers. You know, you saw maybe one or two. And, you know, and nowadays, though, it's completely different, you know, and you see a big presence uh, at the trade show. You see a lot of, at these events that, you know, Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival, the mm-hmm. Tampa event. Um, mm-hmm. to, to you, like, do you think things are, are, you think the industry is getting a little bit better at bringing black smokers in or in diversity and, you know, or do you think we still kind of struggle with that? Uh, for the most part, I, I think the industry is getting better, but for me, it's always do what you want to do. Like it doesn't matter if they if they are or aren't, right? Because you're spending your dollar out here. And if somebody isn't respecting that, spend it with someone who does. Um I personally think it's getting better. And I hear I, I haven't been around early early days in the trade show. My guy Cigar Mike from Atlanta, he always speaks on that. Like even when I first met Mike and 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 and, and I just tell you, when I had my lounge in 2016, maybe this is also to the mindset. This was my mindset then. When I met Mike years ago, he was like, hey, you guys got to come to the IPCR, right? I think I'm saying that correct. IPCR. Uh, IPCR. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, that one, that one. So um, he's like, you guys got to come out there, man. You got a lounge, da, da, da. And I used to be like, you know, man, I don't really don't, don't want to go. Like, I don't care to go. 
that was my mindset when I had my lounge in my early days, because I felt like, you know, why, why did I need to go? It's probably a boys club. That's what I'm thinking. Without having any knowledge on it. Now, this is my thing. I just know how stuff work, right? Why go there and then, you know, somebody don't treat you right or you don't get that account you want because you can't do X, Y, and Z when we can just, because we had our lounge, we, we highlighted boutiques. When we can just keep our boutiques and have same premium tobacco, at a whole less, you know, a, a, a lesser uh, amount than we have. To, like, you know, you big boys, you got to buy like 20 boxes. Or oh, I could find this boutique and I might buy five boxes. So that was my mindset back then. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm assuming maybe back then that was a lot of people's mindset or just didn't know about it. But now, as time has, you know, 2023 now, when I hear some of these old time guys who's, who's been there to their original shows, they all say the same thing. They, are, they all are very happy. To say what you just said, now I see retailers, van owners, you know, more consumers. And plus, where I believe the black smoker is also uh, now, you know, I ain't going to say more educated, but more uh, more in depth and like, maybe I should go to this piece, which I wasn't then. Maybe I should go to this PCA because I can get a deal. So I wasn't thinking that when I had my lounge in the early days. I was thinking I got to spend all this money. But hey, if you go there. You're going to get deals that particular day that that during that event. So maybe they have advanced that in their mind now. You know, hey, maybe I can go here and strike a deal. And also, you get to meet some of your favorite, you know, some of your big name folks, the Fuentes. You know, it, it's, it's wonderful to meet these people, and you know, you take your pictures and knowing you get product from them. So I think all of that plays a part into probably the growth of more black people going. So that's that's just my take on it. I'm not saying it's right, but this is my take on it. Yeah, and, and hopefully people feel welcome in these spaces now. And maybe that's the big difference is that maybe before it like you like you felt a little bit uneasy about going for, for your reasons. And I'm sure everyone mm-hmm. had their own reasons why they mm-hmm. maybe didn't feel like they belonged in that space. And I think right. there's still a little bit of that going on because I know like this year, you know, I started working with the PCA, um, you know, as the content director. And I know mm-hmm. we had a media um, meeting and I think besides myself, maybe there was like one other, you know, black media. Had to be Leo. Yes. <laughs> and and yet there's other, people, there's other people who do media who are, you know, women who are, you know, different races and stuff like that. And they are, and they weren't at the meeting. And I know I saw one of them on the show floor and I was like, why didn't you come to the media meeting? And they're like, oh, I didn't think, you know, it was for me. And I like, I didn't, right. and I was like, no, I was like, next year you need to come. I was like, mm-hmm. it's for you. I was like, because you're going to have a completely different perspective. You're going to ask completely different questions than anyone else in that room. And I guess that's how I Correct. feel about the cigar industry, like, you know, with diversity. I think it is starting to get better. I do think like, like most things in the cigar industry, it is kind of a couple years or, you know, a decade or so behind a little bit because, you know, like, like, talking about like, like women in the industry, you know, Correct. getting the questions like, like, how do you make women feel comfortable? And it's like, you know, like, like as if we're in the 1950s and it's like, <laughs> treat them like, you know, like anybody else. And same thing with black people. It's like, you know, like retailers want to know, how do I make the black, you know, consumer feel comfortable? That's sort of like, Treat them like everyone else, you know. So, so hopefully we're, yeah. So hopefully with 
people like you in the industry, like conscious, like growing his presence and the other owners out there who are, you know, minorities and, and hopefully the more success that you all have, the people will feel, like I said, more comfortable uh, being in the space and, and, you know, to, again, to tap in for, for the word of today, be more conscious <laughs> of, right. of everything right. happening. And, you know, we can really make this, this uh, industry a lot more inclusive. Diversity is a key, man. If, if everybody can can lean in and, and speak their mind or do their thing per se in this particular big bowl of what we got going on, it only makes it better. Yeah. At, so, so where do you want to take your brand? Like, I know you kind of talked about it a couple of minutes ago about the plan, but do you are you the type that has like a five year plan or 10 year plan? Or do you have like big ambitions for your for conscious? Like, where do you want to see this go? So for me, man, I, I think I got, uh, if I do the math correct, I got about 10 more years of working, right? So my my goal has been up until this point is to get my brand out, recognized, and and try to hold that footing to my later years when I, when I can retire and actually move around. And hopefully by then, uh, I can, if I can be in every state, in every city, I'll take it. One or two lounges in each city. I take it. And at that point, when I'm retired, I would like to do, I got a couple of things in my mind, man. I, I want to be like on the road, like get a, buy an RV and just travel to every state. Cause I'm, I'm retired. I got nothing to do. And just, and just meet people and smoke with folks. Or um, I'm also flirting with the idea of maybe opening up some type of a lounge here, uh, something different in Tampa, which would, you know, which have conscious incorporated in it. Um, that's all I have on my mind right now. For right now, is to is to hit the ground running, because I, I honestly, I, I you know, I've only been doing this for like three years, man. So I, I don't have nothing locked up at all. So I need to continue to grow this brand and and get people out there. So that's my goal for the next few years is just to get the brand out much as possible, global if possible. I really want to take it international. At this point in the show, I'd like to wrap up this part of the interview with two basic questions. Well, the first of those questions is, do you have a philosophy that you live by? Yeah, man. Um, balance. I, I believe everything is balance. Balance is key. Uh, whatever you do, try to find a balance. I think that, that gets us through. You got to like your family life, cigar life. If you're working, whatever you got going on, have a balance. If you need to work out, need to rest, <laughs> whatever, have balance. And for the last question, I want, to, I want you to finish this sentence. Kevin is conscious. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, if I go more in deep, I, I can say, man, I am, I am a, I'm a guy that that wants to see everybody win. Uh, the whole conscious concept, man, is is breaking people up with you, man. It's a community. We uplift each other, right? And in the cigar community, per se, in this bucket here, it's about uplifting other people. I think you go further and people are with you. You know, how they say the rising the rising tide lifts the boat. I really believe that. Um, and that's the energy I like to put out. And I, I like, I'll smoke everybody's stuff. I'm not one of these guys who only smoke mine. I smoke everybody's stuff. And if it's great, I'm going to let you know. Um, 
So I just believe in just, you know, pulling everybody up. I think I think that's the best way. We lift each other up. Awesome. awesome. Now, for those people who are not watching this, and they may be just listening to the audio version, can you tell people what website they need to visit, what social media they need to follow in order to kind of keep up with you and Conscious Cigars? Yeah, on all platforms, Conscious Cigars. That's Conscious with a K. K-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S Cigars. Uh, ConsciousCigars.com. And like I said, again, all social media platforms, Conscious Cigars. Yeah, and I like how you, um, I like how the, the K makes it, its way into other things that you're marketing. Because I saw on your social media, like you have a cut and light, and it's cut with a K. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I felt like that was very. Uh, yeah. I think the Kardashians like to do the same thing. So I was like, <laughs> Oh, do I they? Like, <laughs> you their mindset uh, <laughs> of branding. You're, you're doing. Well, I need to go read it. They, do they got a book out? I need to go read it then. <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> well, I want to thank you for coming on and I want you to sit tight because we're going to be filming some more stuff um, for yes, those sir. watching or, or listening to this. Thank you for watching and listening to Deep Cuts. If you want to see any of uh, the past episodes or you miss any parts of this uh, interview, you can catch it on YouTube.com slash Deep Cuts Live or you can also go to DeepCutsLive.com and all the past episodes are there and um thank you kevin for coming on and until next time everyone <laughs>